Howdy folks, welcome back to Exploring Cryptocurrency. If this is your first time here, you may be listening via iTunes, via RSS feed, or you might be on our brand new YouTube channel. Nevertheless, regardless what your option may be, don't forget to subscribe and share to help increase awareness about blockchain technologies and education thereof. You can find a directory of where you can listen to Exploring Cryptocurrency on our website at exploringcryptocurrency.blogspot.com. Basically, it will just enumerate all the places you can find this podcast, and you can select the option that is best suited for you. Now, I'm really excited for today's topic. We will be continuing our series of sorts whereby we're going through various notable projects one by one and learning about what they are, where they came from, how they work, and sometimes where they're going. So if you've been in the cryptocurrency space long enough, you know there are thousands of projects out there. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are good. They function, but they're nothing new. And some of them aren't so good, and they consequentially fade away. We have many projects with the same goal in mind or same purpose, and one of the most common use cases here is to improve the Bitcoin model in application. That is, these projects are peer-to-peer payment systems, but they try to combat common issues inherent to the Bitcoin network, such as its costly and slow proof-of-work consensus schematic, or increased centralization over time, or the slow and expensive transactions, etc. The cool thing about having many projects is that they create a dialogue within the cryptocurrency community, a long-running discourse to which everyone contributes in order to find an answer, or many answers. In a way, a good allegory for the situation is that all cryptocurrency projects are nodes, and we are all part of one giant blockchain. And this giant blockchain is append-only and immutable, like all blockchains, What is done cannot be undone, but it can be added to. That is, we learn from our failures and we make giant leaps from our successes. I kind of like to think of this like continental philosophy, where you have many thinkers over large, massive spans of time, all submitting different arguments for the same ideas. None of them are necessarily right. It's up to you to choose what you believe in. Cryptocurrency affords us autonomy, independence, and choice in how we experience finance and interact with global markets, and with each other. And one of the most interesting projects I've been looking at in terms of a peer-to-peer payment solution is one called Nano. So I think the best way to explain Nano is to begin with a brief overview, an abstract if you will, and then subsequently delve into the inner workings of this project as we always do on Exploring Cryptocurrency. So Nano, originally called Rayblox, is, as discussed, designed strictly to serve as a peer-to-peer payment system. Nano has near-instant transactions with no fees, and I mean that quite literally. Nano transactions have zero fees. Their token has no inflation because all Nano that will ever exist is already currently in circulation, which also means There is no mining or staking because there are no block rewards or transaction fees in the first place. Nano had an interesting issuance model. Instead of doing an ICO, airdrop, or presale of any type, they distributed their tokens via what is called a faucet. 
Basically, if you were privy to the launch of Rayblox, you would go to one of these faucets, you would verify your humanity by way of CAPTCHA so they know that you are not a robot or rogue AI, a la Neuromancer, and receive free Rayblox. 130 million Rayblox tokens were distributed at this time, 7 million were kept in a development fund, and the remaining 200 million were destroyed. A coin burn, which is going to be a topic of a future episode. We'll be talking all about coin burns and what they are and why they happen and the myriad uses for them. Now, this is where Nano really caught my eye. Nano doesn't have any one blockchain. Instead, every user has a personal blockchain which contains their entire transaction history therein, one transaction per block. Each time a transaction is made, two blocks are created, one on your end and one on the blockchain of the other individual who is party to the transaction. This is a unique method that is proprietary to Nano called a blockchain lattice or blockchain latticing. This is truly peer-to-peer, -peer, as you're not even relying on a validator to verify your transaction. The only parties partaking in the transaction are you and this other individual, so you don't need to wait for anyone to transcribe your transaction within a given block, owing to the near-instant zero-fee transactions that we mentioned earlier. And funny enough, there is a minute type of proof-of-work that does happen on the Nano network, and this takes a minuscule amount of time at worst, so the transaction appears instant. This proof of work, however, can be pre-calculated in anticipation of the transaction. It is also implemented in the Nano network simply to prevent bad actors within the network, network overload, or heavy mining, as is the case with Bitcoin. Proof of work in the Nano protocol is not used for consensus. What Nano does use for consensus is a delegated proof-of-stake model, which may sound familiar because we discussed it before in our Tron episode, but naturally, Nano is unique and their DPoS is markedly different. Like traditional proof-of-stake, one token equates to one vote in the Nano system, but you can also opt to pass your voting power to another wallet in the network. This can be an official representative or someone you know and trust or even a wallet that you control. And this last bit is particularly useful because you could store your tokens in cold storage and still be exercising voting power. So that's your five minute or less version, but I do encourage you to stick around for the full story so you can exercise a thorough understanding of this unique and very promising project. So Nano was created by a software engineer named Colin Lemahieu, who had worked at numerous large tech companies like Dell, AMD, Qualcomm. Nano was launched in 2015 as Rayblox and then rebranded in early 2018 as Nano. The value of Nano, or the native token XRB, surged 40% in the 24 hours following its rebranding. So there was a lot of investor interest in this relaunch and rebranding process. Nano uses what is called a direct acyclic graph algorithm, or a DAG. Now you guys know I can't just drop a whopper of a term like direct acyclic graph algorithm without explaining it. But note that this is not indispensable in understanding the basic ideas of Nano. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to go with a technical definition of DAG, and then I will do a summary in layman's terms. So to look at DAG from a technical perspective, this is going into very complex graph theory, and it can require a lot of foreknowledge to understand, but to break it down, a direct acyclic graph displays assumptions about the relationships between variables. And these variables in the context of graphs and moreover blockchain architecture are often called nodes. The assumptions that we make take the form of lines, or edges as they're called, going from one node to another. These edges are directed, meaning that they have a single arrowhead indicating their effect. A DAG is also a cyclic, which means that there are no feedback loops. A variable cannot be its own descendant. To illustrate what this would look like in a very, very simplified way, I might note, you have a point X, and X can point to Y, which can then point to Z, but the Z cannot point back to X as that would create a feedback loop. Because DAG is a cyclic, you cannot have a feedback loop. In short, the sequence can only go from earlier to later. What this has to do with blockchains and nano is that DAG is often applied to problems related to data processing, scheduling, finding the best routes and navigation within the system, and data compression. So what with DAG, each individual is assigned their own blockchain. Nano employs its own technology called the block lattice architecture, wherein each individual is assigned their own blockchain, which is called an account chain. So let's simplify this. Take a deep breath and we will do a layman's explanation of DAG and how it pertains to Nano. A block lattice refers to a mixture of two systems, the traditional blockchain and then the aforementioned directed acyclic graph, or DAG. DAG, at its very simplest, is a type of data structuring. When, for example, you perform a transaction with a traditional cryptocurrency, your transaction is grouped together into a block with a predefined space and size. These blocks make up the blockchain. With the DAG structure, however, you would be able to see individual transactions and how they correlate in the bigger picture of the blockchain itself. What's good about DAG is that it's extremely scalable, exactly what the traditional blockchain lacks. While DAG itself isn't the most secure protocol, the very existence of a blockchain ecosystem itself ensures maximum security, and that is why this combination is kind of ingenious. That is, Nano unites the best of these two worlds, DAG's scalability and blockchain's security. So Nano utilizes a DAG-based block lattice architecture, where each user possesses their own blockchain, as we've said. Instead of users' blockchain tracking transaction amounts, it instead will record account balances, a method that allows for less intensive storage requirements through the use of database pruning. Each blockchain reflects information related to the individual's balance history and can only be updated by the owner. A user's blockchain can be updated asynchronously to the rest of the block lattice. Because each user has complete control over their blockchain, distributed consensus protocols aren't necessary anymore. This is why Nano doesn't need proof-of-work or proof-of-stake to decide on the shared global state of the ledger. 
With nano transactions are processed on a user's individual blockchain. Again, that operates asynchronously to every other blockchain in the network. This transforms a shared global ledger like that which can be found in the Bitcoin network into a set of non-shared asynchronous ledgers on the block lattice architecture which allows for faster transaction times. The architecture records account balances, unlike other blockchain technologies which track all transaction amounts. Again, every nano transaction creates its own new block which replaces the older one before it on the user's account chain. This results in a new block which records the updated balance of each user. So now we have a far smaller amount of data requirements, a market improvement over, say, the Bitcoin network, as we discussed in the Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining episode of Exploring Cryptocurrency. Again, nanotransactions appear instant because transaction information is updated by the owner and then updated asynchronously, basically meaning not happening at the same time as the bigger block lattice, resulting in lower transaction times. So we have no transaction fees in nano because of this, and we consequently have no mining. The way a nano transaction works follows as such. Any transfer of funds requires two transactions, a sender's and a receiver's transaction. All transactions are sent in a user datagram protocol or UDP packet, which helps in maintaining a low cost of computing and allows transfer of funds even if the receiver is currently offline. UDP is kind of like TCP, the protocol that we use every single day to send data packets on the internet to request a web page or service. To complete the transaction, the receiving party signs a block confirming that the funds were received. And until this confirmation, the transaction is designated pending and labeled as unsettled. Like any blockchain architecture, these transactions are immutable and ir irreversible. So as we discussed, transfers of value on the nano network produce two separate transactions. First, a send transaction that deducts the amount of XRB from the sender's balance, and second, a receive transaction that adds the fund amount to the receiving account's balance. Each send transaction references the owner's previous block, so a double spend on the block lattice would warrant attempting to reference the same previous block in two separate send transactions. Basically, what you can extrapolate from that is double spending is pretty much impossible. So let's talk a little bit more about Nano's consensus mechanisms. This is where things get pretty unconventional. Then again, all of Nano is pretty unconventional. Nano secures its ledger through the use of delegated proof of stake, as discussed in our little five-minute primer at the beginning of this episode. Like we learned in the Tron episode, in a DPoS system, users have the ability to choose a representative node to vote on their behalf, acting as a kind of voting proxy. These representative nodes verify signatures for blocks that are processed and, in the event of conflicting transactions, vote for the valid transaction. The voting process is balance-weighted, meaning that the weight of a representative's vote is directly proportionate to the amount of nano that have been linked to it. The greater the number of nano linked to a representative, the more its vote will be worth. But here's where nano is different from traditional delegated proof of stake. 
So I mentioned before that Nano's architecture does utilize proof-of-work. However, proof-of-work is used as an anti-spam measure in this context and not as a consensus protocol. Because there are no transaction fees on Nano's block lattice, an attacker could indefinitely spam the network. By using proof-of-work in this way, each block has a small amount of work associated with it that takes a negligible amount of time to validate. While requiring this minuscule amount of computing power by those in the nano network, bad actors would, on the other hand, have to dedicate a significant amount of computing power to even attempt to carry out an attack on the nano network. Furthermore, it is also even possible for these spam transactions to be pruned away, limiting the amount of storage that can be consumed from this type of attack. So if you had any concerns about nanosecurity due to DAG, you can rest assured. This network is creatively and powerfully secured. A good way to summarize nano is to say that it simply stores incoming and outgoing transaction data into designated individual blocks in your own personalized blockchain, maintaining a wallet balance that is constantly updated and secured while also maintaining an efficient blockchain overall. Nano champions this idea of simplicity, and what I mean by that is by doing something one way, one efficient, highly, or really infinitely scalable way. Kind of like how the Python programming language was designed to have one solution to executing a given process, as opposed to multiple solutions that could accomplish that same process like in many other programming languages. Nano doesn't really like the superfluous, they favor the simple. One of the most recent developments within the Nano network to be aware of is their update v19. The Solidus v19 node software brings the Nano protocol to a point of even greater speed. To illustrate this, you can go to a website, nanospeed.live. I actually just ran a speed test on there, and a transaction of 0.0005 XRB from New York to Frankfurt was completed in just under four-tenths of a second. That, today, in 2019, is mind-boggling. So that's Nano in a nutshell for you folks. I hope that you learned something from this and found this episode interesting. I certainly find Nano to be a very promising and fascinating project. I'd like to give my thanks to a valuable member of the Nano community, Rock'em Sock'em Jesus, for providing unique perspectives and bringing Nano to the forefront of my attention. Without this individual, I would not have been made aware of all the crazy and cool things going on in Nano. If you're interested in Nano, whether it's getting involved in their community or simply learning resources or even getting started with using Nano or investing in Nano, you can check them out at nanocenter.org. This has been another episode of Exploring Cryptocurrency. We often do episodes like this where we will thoroughly review various projects, and what I mean by review is outline. I want to note that none of the tokens that I do episodes on are endorsements of these tokens. These are simply projects that I want people to know about. I mean, heck, I did a whole episode about the Bitcoin Cash saga, and just personally, I am not a fan of Bitcoin Cash. 
But I think education within this space is very important. I think we all need to have a well-rounded understanding of the breadth and variety of the myriad projects out there. It's important to know about them. It's important to know how they work. And using all these different projects as examples, we can start to piece together a very actively working knowledge and understanding of how the blockchain and cryptocurrency technologies work and function. Be sure to subscribe, rate if that is applicable on the platform you're using, and definitely share with others so they can learn about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies as well. And with that said, I bid you adieu and have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you guys next time.